This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Right now, though, as we uh, switch gears from a conversation about a Twitter user who's been charged by police to a blogger who's been charged by police in Edmonton. Section 319 of the Criminal Code deals with the willful promotion of hatred. It's a charge that is not often used, but it's a charge that Edmonton police have decided to use to deal with a very hateful blogger, to put it mildly. As Paula Simons writes in the Edmonton Journal, the blogs of Barry Kent Winters contain horrible references to indigenous people, using the most scurrilous racist terms, calling them animals and subhuman. They contain equally terrible terms about gays, lesbians, and transgender people. They attack feminists, Muslims, fat people, Chinese people, black people, rape victims, the homeless, people with developmental disabilities, people from the Maritimes, Catholics, the United Church, cyclists, preschoolers, pretty much everybody. And as mentioned, just using the worst possible language. Does it make sense to to go after him this way? To make a martyr of him, possibly? And that's the dilemma. Paula Simons uh, joins us on the line here this afternoon. EdmontonJournal.com, by the way, you can find her piece there. Paula, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Rob. This is a really tough case, isn't it? It is a really tough case. You know, your your colleague Ryan Jesperson had me on Ched this morning and asked me, well, what are we supposed to do with him if we don't charge him criminally? Right. And I wish I had an answer. I just know that it makes me uncomfortable when I see the state charging someone for what they write. And... It's tough to know. In, in the case of Jim Keekstra, the most, who's the most famous or infamous example of police in Alberta using this section of the criminal code, um, Keekstra was, of course, the anti-Semitic school teacher from Eckville who spent years teaching kids in his classes day in and day out that the Holocaust was a hoax, and that there was a Jewish conspiracy to take over the world. Yeah. He was charged under this uh, section of the law in 1984, But it took until 1996 for his conviction to be upheld by the Supreme Court. And for 12 years, he postured and paraded himself as a free speech martyr. And he had this perfect platform to go on spewing his hate. Uh, At one point, he even became leader of the Federal Social Credit Party based on the fame that this charge brought him. And in the end, after 12 years of court battles, he was sentenced to 200 hours of community service. And much though I loathed Jim Keekstra, and as a Jewish person, a person of Jewish descent, was deeply, deeply affected by by what he had taught kids. You know, who, you know, his students might be people I meet on the street today. I'm still not convinced that charging him and convicting him helped much of anything. Um, you know, he should have been fired. He should have had his teaching license taken away, and much sooner than happened. But when the state convicts you criminally for something that you wrote or said or believed, we, we get into tricky territory. We do. When we get to Mr. Winters, Mr. Winters is a, uh, is a different scenario than Jim Keekstra. He's a troll. He's a blogger. You know, it, it depends who you ask how many people have ever read Mr. Winters' blog. Mr. Winters says millions. The evidence police say, you know, maybe thousands. I suspect thousands might be a generous interpretation. He is a complete crank who hates absolutely everybody and everything. And he, I mean, the blog posts are disgusting. You want to, you want to wash your eyes out after you read them. But it's not clear to me that that he was inciting hate 
in the kind of way that Jim Keekstra was in a formal, you know, a very formal, systematic way in a classroom, as opposed to ranting and venting for a largely imaginary audience. Yeah, you know, and the other thing, too, you wonder, because, you know, he goes after specific individuals, one of whom, and you talk about in the piece, is uh, Glenn Canning, who was the father of Rotea Parsons, a very yeah. high-profile case. That in a, And it's like that, Paul. I mean, wouldn't Glenn Canning have a lot of cause to sue him? Wouldn't others have a lot of cause to sue him if yeah, they well, were? It's, it's interesting, because the, the Rotea Parsons stuff stands out, and, and that's not really what he's charged with. Right? I mean, he's charged with promoting hatred against an identifiable group. Uh, and the police, you know, said there were so many groups to choose from, right? It means promoting hatred against uh, against uh, gay people, against trans people, against First Nations people, against blacks, against immigrants, against you know. So, what he did to the to the Parsons family, to the Canning family, goes even above and beyond that. I mean, he repeatedly threatened to put naked pictures of Rotea Parsons online, pictures which, when, when Glenn Canning called the Edmonton Police Service years ago, well before this, they went and interviewed him, and, and according to Glenn Canning, he said to them, well, I don't have any pictures like that. I was just saying that to, to upset him. So, you know, but, but, he, but he sort of threatened the family. He, um, according to Mr. Canning, he alleged that Mr. Canning had sexually molested Retea and that that was why she had killed herself. I didn't see that online, but what I did see were repeated references in the most disgusting, vile terms to Retea Parsons, you know, that she was a whore, that she deserved what happened to her. Um, this kind of obsessive bullying of a family who, you know, whose daughter was sexually assaulted at, you know, who, and as a child killed herself um, is really disquieting. But, you know, could he have been charged for criminal harassment for what he did to Retea Parsons' family? That's a possibility, but, but he wasn't. Mm-hmm. Could Glenn Canning have sued him for defamation? Assuredly. But I don't think, you know, suing somebody who's not well-to-do doesn't get you very much. Um, you know, uh, and the problem is, that even then, you know, what are the damages if nobody, if nobody looks at what Mr. Winters is writing? I mean, I, I suspect some of the people that he attacked most viciously didn't even know he existed and were completely unaware that he was speaking about them. Right. And then it's sort of one of those, if the tree falls in the forest, I mean, if he's saying horrible things about you and me and we don't know, then... <laughs> Well, but here's the other thing, Paul. I mean, the tree's gone, and and this seems like this could have been the obvious solution a long time ago. He was using Blogspot, uh, and they've deleted his blog. The the blog is gone. Well, the blog is is gone because that was one of his conditions. He was was arrested and arraigned on June 1st. The police, for whatever reasons, I have different theories, uh, didn't tell us about it until yesterday, but he was actually arrested and arraigned on June 1st, and as part of his release conditions, because he's out now, uh, one of the release conditions was that he had to stop blogging, to take down what he had, and he had to, you know, cease and desist from doing so. So, uh, so that's gone. But you know, it's it's a difficult thing to police the internet. I mean, uh, one would like um, uh, web hosts and service providers to provide some degree of control about what's there. But we all know, even just from a cursory look at Twitter and Facebook, that um, there's not a lot being done to police really nasty, nasty language yeah. on on the internet. You know, the, the trouble with Mr. Winters is that now 
you know, what I did yesterday was use the Wayback Machine to go find, and, and then I remembered that he had written about me once a couple, oh, of, a couple of summers ago, but it was so bizarre. Of all the things that I write about, and you and I have talked about them, we've talked about First Nations issues, yeah. we've talked about gay rights issues, we've talked about all kinds of issues. He went after me for something I'd written about bicycle paths, because he really <laughs> hates cyclists. And, and what he'd said is that, you know, he'd like to see me ride my bike on the yellowhead. Now, you could interpret that to mean that, you know, if, if only Paula Simons rode in heavy traffic, she would understand why the rest of us don't cycle. Maybe. Or you could interpret it as a kind of a veiled death threat. Right. But, you know, at the time I looked at it and I, and I went, oh, ha, ha, ha. Um, yeah. But, you know, some of the, I, mean, I got off pretty lightly. Some of the things that he said about other people, um, you know, some of his, you know, some of what he said about uh, Rachel Notley, uh, Wab Canoe, I mean, it's just, it's disgusting, um, uh, but, but he says it about everybody. You know, right. he doesn't. He doesn't like fat people. He doesn't like. He doesn't like preschoolers. I mean, he goes ranting on and on about you know kids and mothers and and you know uh, you know the, the 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 women he sees picking up men at the gas pump. I mean, it's hard to imagine what it would be like to be Barry Winters and live in a brain and in a world so curdled by hatred and to know that what gives you pleasure is to insult people until they notice right i mean i mean that and that is the other thing i mean why does someone like like uh, a barry winters do this you know it's not like he's organizing a militia it's not like he's organizing marches in the street um with uh, you know white power people he's a sad sick old man not so old, um, you know, who's doing this to get attention. And now we've given him some. Well, yeah, exactly, right? I mean, maybe his mental state does become an issue, as, as an aside to, to the point you made, but that's it. He seems desperate for some notoriety, and he's now getting it in abundance. Yeah, and so this is why, I mean, somebody said to me, what do you like to do? And I said, well, personally, I would like to push him down the stairs. But that's <laughs> not, you know, I mean, my personal revulsion, my personal distaste, I don't know at what point. I mean, the Supreme Court of Canada has said in the Keekster case that it is a justifiable limitation on our charter right to free speech, even in our free and democratic society, for the state to say there is some speech that is beyond the pale. There is some speech that incites violence, that incites hatred, that is so, that is so inappropriate that we sanction it as a state whether we send you to jail or fine you or give you community service or just ban you from, from posting. Does Barry Winter's speech meet that test? It's, for me, it's on the bubble. I mean, I understand perfectly well why police in Edmonton charged him. Uh, police here couldn't tell me if they've ever charged anybody under this statute before. I checked with Alberta Justice. There have been three three charges laid under this section of the criminal code in the last six or seven years in Alberta. So it's not used very often. And I can certainly understand why Evan police did it here because this has gone on for years. The attacks against certain specific individuals, uh, you know, a professor at the U of A who's a gay rights advocate, uh, Marty Panis, who's an Edmonton trans activist, Jesse Lipscomb, who's a, a local actor and anti-racism activist, Lise Gutel, who's a, a feminist law professor at the U of A. I mean, he singled out specific individuals um, in a particularly malicious way. I 
understand perfectly well why police had finally said, look, we've had complaints about him for years. We spent more than a year investigating him. We are going to lay charges. And, and they had to get the written consent of the deputy attorney general to do that. It's a very specific thing because this is such a rarely used charge and such a, such a high test. I, I understand why Barry Winters appalls people. I just, as a writer, as a free speech advocate, we start down that proverbial slippery slope when we start saying what people can and cannot say. And, and it's interesting because he's, whatever, whatever is going on in his brain, uh, whatever's going on in his heart and in his mind, he's canny enough in the blog posts not to make specific threats. Right. It's yeah. all coached couches fantasies of what he would like to see happen as opposed to saying i'm coming to kill this person or you should kill this person it's like wouldn't it be great if this person were raped to death by a gorilla you know which is not a thing that is going to happen but is a pretty distasteful image to have out there no kidding well it's a fascinating case much more is mentioned edmontonjournal.com we'll see where this all goes from here paula thanks so much for your time appreciate it Thanks, Rob. Take care. Paula Simons, columnist for the Edmonton Journal, edmontonjournal.com. You know, I tend to lean on, on the side of Paula here, disgusting as this guy is. Maybe it's best to ignore him, or at least find a way to convince Google, which owns Blogger, to shut down his blog. But why make a martyr of him? And I mean, the other thing is, do we really think that he's going to learn a lesson here? If anything, it's just going to reinforce all his bizarre, twisted views of the world. So I don't know what we're accomplishing here either. Anyway, 403-974-TALK, 974-8255. We are back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.